the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And years and years. And back in the late 40s, he and a bunch of his buddies from Toronto went down to quote unquote cover baseball spring training. We had a triple A team here for many, many years called the Toronto Maple Leafs. How appropriate. And they're sitting on a beach in Fort Lauderdale one day. And one of the guys turns to Dave. They were having trouble getting the results of the previous night's Stanley Cup hockey game. And one of the guys on the beach, who was a tire dealer in Toronto, said to Dave, Dave, he said, this place is wall-to-wall with Canadians. Why don't you put a radio show on down here? Well, the light bulb went on. It took him a couple of years to get his act together, but on the uh, beginning of January of 1954, Dave launched what he called Canada Calling, and between Dave and myself, the show has never missed a day in 66 years. Cool, cool, very good. I'm impressed. I hope you are. (laughs) (laughs) And for some reason or other, people still listen to us. And uh, we've been very fortunate to deal with some very good folks like the people at AM860 in Tampa who've been with us for a long, long time. So we've been very fortunate indeed. And it's a pleasure to be on with you this morning. Well, thank you. And it's uh, great having you back. Uh, The reason we do this show this time of year is to herald Pryor's return to the sunny south and also to talk about travel insurance and the the Canadian's guidebook on how to get by for health care while you're in the southeast. And also we like to throw a little bit of politics into it and the tight race between Trudeau and the conservatives uh, has Everybody on edge up here in Canada, although Canadians don't really get on edge a lot. They're fairly mild, mellow, kind-hearted people in their Conestoga wagons. Uh, you know, yeah, we're kind of laid, we're, we're laid, back, laid back. Yeah. Oxen team and, you know, <laughs> horse and buggies. But, no, they're doing really great up here. And we just love having the Canadians come down and visit us. And actually, I say that Florida is just a southern province of Canada in the winter. Well, basically it is. And... The, the population flow out of Canada that goes to Florida is essentially from southern Ontario. About 66% of the market uh, from Canada comes from southern Ontario, and a great majority of that comes from about a 100-mile radius around the city of Toronto. Um, roughly 22%, 20% comes from southern Quebec, the region around Montreal. Then there are dribs and drabs from the Maritimes and, and a little bit from southern Manitoba. But far and away, the uh, the biggest flow out of Western Canada goes down to the Arizona. Uh, they used to go to South Texas before all the border problems developed and down to Palm Springs, California. It's a huge Canadian population down there. But the west coast of Florida and particularly the Tampa Bay region, Sarasota, Bradenton, Fort Myers, that is the hot spot in Florida now. And for all intents and purposes, it has been for quite a while. And what happens is when people go down south, invariably they have a, a health problem. <laughs> so when they have a health problem, they call Dr. Bill in, uh, in St. Pete. Good move. Smart move. And yeah. when, you, when you think health care, you've got to think can care. The can care clinic. As a matter of fact, when you, when you drove in the driveway here this morning, I mentioned that 
for some reason or other, Dr. Bill winds up seeing more of my uh, my neighbors than I do during the wintertime because at one time or another, they all wind up at the CanCare Clinic for medical assistance of one form or another. I should mention, uh, you mentioned the Trudeau business. Uh, our federal election is being held tomorrow. And everybody says, all the polls claim that this election is too close to call. And I have a suspicion it probably is. But it's going to go right down to the wire, I suspect, very, very late tomorrow night once the results start flowing in from British Columbia. But we'll probably, I think, wind up with a minority government, which means not one party will have enough seats in Parliament to be able to form a government. So if we do wind up with a minority government, Lord knows who would be leading it. It could be Trudeau. It could be Andrew Scheer, the head of the Conservative Party. But if – excuse me. But if this does happen – We'll be going through all this again probably within a year and a half or maybe two years because minority governments usually don't last very long. Yeah, that's the problem with the parliamentary system. It just uh, it invites a lot of factions, and then you have to form coalitions because you're not electing a president. You're electing your representatives, and then yeah. the representatives are basically whatever – whoever their man is and whoever has the majority of the votes, that's their man. Um, so – it makes it a little difficult. It's hard for a lot of Americans to understand that system. But uh, we evolved from that, actually, from the parliamentary system. Right. When when we when we left home uh, several hundred years before our our younger sister decided to get kicked out of the house, England had a parliament, but it was basically a two party system, and so we held on to that pretty much. However, we have had a separation of the branches, unlike a parliamentary system where everything is under the legislature to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the United States, the executive, the legislative, and the uh, judicial are three separate branches. And although the president can appoint a Supreme Court uh, justice, the Senate has to approve of him or her. And so there's a check and balance there. And uh, the president is elected separately from the representatives and senators and the judiciary uh, at the federal level anyway is appointed. Some states they're appointed and some states they're elected judiciaries. So it all depends on what state you're in. But at the federal level, there is a, a, a three a three part system and everybody has checks and balances. And of course, this this makes for some great uh, newspaper fodder because you get all the fights going and, uh, you know, the Democrats have the House, the Republicans have the Senate and the Democrats hate Trump. And so they're going after him. The House can impeach, which means they can bring formal charges of high crimes or misdemeanors against the president. But it's ultimately the Senate that hears the, the case. So yeah. uh, it, it, there's one check and balance after another. And it, it it's a fascinating system and really unlike most any other democracy in the world. Well, see, the, the problem that we have here, if in fact it is deemed to be a problem, is the fact that in this election campaign, we have the Liberal Party. We have the Conservative Party, we have the New Democratic Party, we have the Green Party, and we've got a new thing that just popped up in the past year called the People's Party of Canada, which is basically a non-factor. But you've got, for all intents and purposes, four legitimate parties all fighting for the same vote. And that means an awful lot of vote splitting. And so when you're voting for your local representative, you got a lot of choices. And that's how we're going to probably, as of late tomorrow night, going to wind up with a minority government. 
and it's just a question of whether or not Trudeau is going to be able to hang on. His four years have, uh, should we say, not exactly been a roaring success, and it took people a long time to kind of see through the facade of Trudeau mania part two, as it were. And uh, there have been a lot of failures on that part and a lot of embarrassing failures. On two occasions, he's been convicted of ethics violations, which is pretty tough to do in four years to be convicted twice. But he's done it. (laughs) And so as of late tomorrow night, we may have ourselves a minority government led by Andrew Scheer of the Conservative Party. Lord only knows. But again, another key subject of discussion throughout this campaign, as it has been in the States, has been the cost of medical care and the administration of medical care. It's uh, it's a it's a problem, and we uh, I didn't think the crisis was that great, but the Democrats played it up in the uh, early two thousands, and they've been trying to bring in socialized medicine for decades. But uh, Obamacare basically doubled the cost of health care for I would say seventy five percent of the American population, and uh, that uh, of the non Medicare aged population. And Mm -hmm. that's a big burden to put on people. You know, my wife is paying because she's not Medicare age yet for my wife and my son. She's paying twelve thousand dollars a year. And I think it's a 15 or twenty thousand dollar deductible. I mean, that's just stupid. You could you could put that twelve thousand dollars into a CD, uh, uh, some kind of health savings plan, which is what Trump wanted to do. He got a little bit of that pushed through, but not as high as he wanted. And, you know, if you saved 50 or 60,000, and you had a major crisis, you just go and negotiate with the hospital administrator uh, to make the bill reasonable, which can be done. And by the way, prior, if you have any self-pay friends that are Canadians and they're coming down and they need health care and they don't have coverage or they're undercovered and they find themselves in a predicament, come see me because if you need to go in the hospital or you need any major workup done in the office, which we're capable of doing, of course, then I can get you a self-pay rate at the hospital, which is probably cheaper than just about anywhere in the world. The Medicare rates are really unbelievable. You know, you hear these stories of people coming home with $150,000 bills, and really the Medicare reimbursement would have been about ten or 15000 And if they had come to me first and I talked to the administrator or the, or the chief financial officer, I can get you a self-pay rate that's very reasonable. We even have a number of Canadians who come down and they want their hips done or they want plastic surgery or they want some kind of major procedure. And so we help them get a self-pay rate in our little hospital. We we uh, have done that a number of times, whether it's a hip or a knee or a gallbladder or whatever it is, uh, we can help you out. And in the office, we also have self-pay rates, which are very, very competitive. They're Medicare rates, basically. Of course, you have to talk to the wife, and you know the little the little Korean's tough, but uh, you can get around her if you're sweet and you smile and tell her how beautiful she is. She'll probably give you a discount. Well, you but, know, one thing I should you know one thing I should explain, I guess, for our uh, Floridian audience, is how this whole socialized medicine thing in Canada works. It's 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 very simple, uh, and Lord knows the system has its warts, as any system has its problems. But basically, since what about the mid 60s, I guess it is, we've had universal health care here in Canada, whereby your payment to cover your universal medical coverage comes off your paycheck every two weeks or whenever you get paid. You never see the money. The money just goes into the provincially administered plans. There's a different plan for each province in Canada. Here in Ontario, it's known as OHIP, the Ontario Hospital 
insurance plan. And so every two weeks or whenever you get paid, there's a deduction that comes off your paycheck and it goes into OHIP and you're covered from cradle to grave. And I have paid into that now for, well, I just turned 75 during the summer. I've been paying for it since I was about 20 and I never so much as used one nickel of it until a year and a half ago when I had to have a hip replacement. And so fortunately, I've been in good health all these years, but I went in and had the hip replacement and I was in hospital for two and two, well, two days and a bit. I didn't spend a cent. I came home, recovered from it, had a problem last December with that hip operation, had to go back in and have it uh, revised back in April. I was in for four and a half days, didn't spend a cent. So you're covered from cradle to grave. No matter what you do, you're covered by the medical plan. It's administered by the provinces. And as part of the deal, it used to be that they would cover your out-of-country medical expenses. Well, the medical system in the U.S. saw this thing as a gold mine. And so I'm going to say it was about 1991 or 1992, the various provincial administrations of the medical plans here in Canada said, look it. Uh, we're not going to do this anymore because it's bleeding our system dry. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a cap. And if you want to go to Florida during the winter, if you want to go anywhere out of the country, you will have to pick up the difference between the medical cost and what you're covered for. So that made travel insurance mandatory. So everybody who leaves Canada now has to have a travel insurance top-up. And so what happens is before you head south, you phone up somebody there's all kinds of companies doing it, and you get yourself a plan for the period of time that you're out of the country. Well, what happens when you get, say, above the age of 75 when it gets hard to get travel insurance? Because insurance companies look at their ledgers and they say, no, your chances of getting sick or developing a problem increase exponentially once you get above 75. So some people in Canada, when they get up into their 80s, will go down south without travel insurance. And that has happened to several people I know right where I live, and it's been catastrophic. And the bills that have rolled in have been unbelievable because they get down south, they get in a position where they can't be air medevaced home, and so they wind up in hospital, and the meter is ka-chinging, ka-chinging with each passing minute that they're in. And some of the bills that I've seen have been upwards of a quarter of a million dollars. You know, Hard prior to believe, to but true. The, that's why I, again, tell people, and not only Canadians, but Americans who are underinsured or have no insurance, if you're headed to the hospital, make sure that you talk to the administration up front for a self-pay rate, and it'll be a tenth of what you get uh, when you in, in a bill when you get home. So if you're given a $250,000 bill, your Medicare rate probably would have been about 25000 And that's pretty common for the hospitals to go 10 times the Medicare rate uh, when they are billing uh, a private person or uh, a Canadian travel insurance company that doesn't have an agreement with them. So it's very important to speak to someone up front. If you're incapable of it because you're so infirmed, uh, have a family member do it. Make sure that everybody understands that. Uh, tell your kids to make sure and call the hospital if you're unable to, to communicate your wishes and your concerns and needs and uh, or give somebody the uh, durable power of attorney for health care, which will allow them to negotiate on your behalf. And so I say that not only to Canadians, but to Americans as well. If you've got a problem with money 
and you've got a, a big procedure or a big uh, crisis medical crisis in your in your path then you need to talk to someone up front you can come talk to me and i'll take care of you in the hospital for medicare rates and help you get a self-pay rate that's not a problem we're glad to do that and you you would just be shocked at how inexpensive it is to go to one of the best healthcare systems in the world if you just make your wishes and needs and concerns known up front mm-hmm. now they're going to want money down so bring your credit card that's okay so, you know, a gallbladder that you guys are billed $150,000 for uh, or $100,000 probably costs about five or $6,000. That's even if you have complications and you're in the hospital for an extra day. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I think it's important to understand that. The other thing is that's, that we see happening prior is that a lot of people are coming down. And because of the cost of health care, not only in the United States, but worldwide, worldwide prices are going up. The deductibles have gone up on the travel insurance plans. Right. So before they had a 250, then a 500. Now they're up to a thousand dollars. So they come into the office. They want to know how much it's going to cost. And so we discuss this with them and we say, well, what's your deductible? And here's what we can do for you. Uh, But if you need something extra, you know, this is what it'll cost for a follow-up and then they can budget. So if you are traveling, from the United States to Canada, and you have a large deductible, say $1,000, I advise you to put $1,000 away somewhere, have it you know, in a, in a CD or a money market account or whatever, so that if you do have some medical problems that are not exorbitant in cost, but are not going to quite meet your deductible, you got something in your pocket so that you can pay the doctor or the hospital or the emergency room. Another trick is don't go to the emergency room. Do not go unless you are dying. Call us. Call the If you're in the St. Pete area, you can call me at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Day or night, 24-7. I may be a little cranky at 2 or 3 in the morning, but I will answer the phone. And we'll take care of you and try to keep you out of the emergency room. And this is one of the things that we uh, that we market to the travel insurance companies that are dealing with people coming to Florida from Canada and from outside of the United States, other parts of the world, that we will do our best to keep people out of the emergency room and out of the hospital. If there's a legitimate reason to be in the hospital, of course, we want you admitted because we don't want that responsibility and liability. But if we can take care of you in the office, if we can keep you out of the emergency room, if you, for instance, prior, if you had bad gastroenteritis and you had vomiting and diarrhea and you were a little dehydrated, if you come to the office instead of going to the emergency room, we'll be about a, a half to a third of the cost of the emergency room, even if you self-pay at the ER, we can give you intravenous fluids, we can give you medications, we can do the blood work, and uh, we will take care of you. We also give intravenous antibiotics. So we have patients who say, I don't have enough money to go in the hospital. Can you treat me in the office? And we'll say, yeah, you're going to need three or four days of intravenous antibiotics. So we want you to come back every day for three or four days. And then here's your oral antibiotics and here's your breathing medicine and your decongestants and all that. And we can save you a considerable amount of money and time because you're going to wait in the emergency room. Most emergency rooms you're going to wait. Not as long as you wait up here but in Canada, but still you're going to wait. So we have a lot of options for you. But we encourage you, uh, if you're traveling, even if you're an American citizen traveling outside the United States on a cruise or to the Orient or to Europe, make sure you get travel insurance. 
By the way, Pryor, you probably didn't know this. You know, the travel insurance business in the United States, it doesn't exist. (laughs) Obamacare wiped it out. And so when we travel, my wife and I, guess where we get our travel insurance from? From Canada. Alliance, out in Kitchener, Canada. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's a... It's a strange world. It's a very incestuous business, the insurance business. You know, you have two companies that are competing for a market, but they'll be subcontracting to use each other's services, and they'll go through a common uh, billing agent. And, I mean, it just, you know, it boggles your mind when you first get into this and and start looking at this and talking with people in the industry. But it's really a curiously uh, incestuous business, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and – you know, I was watching the um, the Democratic debate on CNN. What was it last what, Tuesday or Wednesday night? And a good portion of that debate was dealing with health care. And Bernie Sanders, who was at one time the mayor of Burlington, Vermont, which is about 50 miles away from the Canadian border, was, you know, once again promoting his universal health care coverage. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why this debate keeps continuing. It, it's worked in France. It's worked in Britain. It's worked in Canada. Like I say, no, obviously these systems have their warts, as any system will have, but everybody is covered. Why does this debate keep going on as long as it's been going on? Well, I think there's a number of factors. First of all, uh, your healthcare system, although you love it and think it's wonderful, it ain't that great. I mean, it's great for you because you haven't made many demands on it or of it. Yeah, fortunately. and, And, you know, because I talked to the women out in Kitchener, I was there a few days ago, and, you know, they're all complaining. They can't get in to see a doctor. If they have an emergency, if they have a strep throat or an infected wound, they can't get in. That takes them two weeks. Now, if you're dying, if you're dying and you go to the ER in Toronto or Kitchener or uh, Peterborough. Or anywhere. You're going to – well, not anywhere. There's some areas of your of your great, vast, uh, second largest landmass country in the world that don't have any kind of critical care for 50 to 100 miles. So, no, that's true. I mean, you just don't you're you're just too big and you have too small of a population to provide the kind of uh, uh, intensive and uh, widely distributed services that a country 10 times your population size has. So there there's a problem here. There is a real problem. Now, you wanted your hip done. You needed your hip done. But you waited, what, a year? No, uh, I was diagnosed uh, two years ago in uh, September. And they were willing to do it right away, but I said, hmm, I'm already committed to working all winter. And when you have a hip done, you can't drive for six weeks. There was a whole bunch of things. So I said, I'm going to tough it out until April. Can I be the first guy in on April the 2nd? And I was the first guy in on April the 2nd. So in terms of waiting, I had no waiting whatsoever. Okay, that's good. You know, a lot of people in some of the provinces wait for a hip. Oh, yeah, there, there, year, there can be two. wait times. Yeah, there can be wait times. There's no question about that. And there, you know, there's undoubtedly a shortage of availability of services, and therefore there's a certain amount of rationing. And so that's that's one of the problems. And it's not just in Canada. Britain has the same problem. I've talked to doctors from there. I've talked to cardiologists who have said, don't don't emulate our system, United States. Don't adopt what we did, because it's it's a it's it's a parceled out service. Now, you got to remember, Americans have been brought up quite differently than a lot of the world that we expect at McDonald's within two minutes when we go through the drive through windows. Right. We don't get it. We're upset. That's and, right. you know, and, you know, you can say, well, that's very childish. But you remember that 
that kind of attitude has also driven a lot of uh, innovation, technology, industry, uh, medical breakthroughs. And by the way, Canada is, for its small size, is one of the great uh, uh, research countries when it comes to medicine. Yep. Uh, but but you've got to remember, too, prior. Now, you've paid hundreds and thousands of dollars into your health care system. Right. And that's not even counting the provincial sales tax that they throw on top of it because you can't because they're not making it. Your system is underwater just like ours. Well, yeah, it's a bottomless pit. Well, yeah, because people are always needy. I mean, you know, we're we're humans. We get sick. And and so uh, I'm, I'm saying to you, you have to stop and think about how much money you put into the system to get one little hip. Well, one little hip twice. Down <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, tell your guys up here to buy some American uh, uh, glue instead of using that cheap Canadian stuff, and you wouldn't have to gone back the second time. Well, can I just interrupt your little story just with a story? <laughs> with a story, <laughs> with a story about the glue. Uh, when I had it done the first time, it was my right hip, and the stem that they put down inside of your uh, your femur, inside your leg bone, is supposed to fuse. Your bone is supposed to fuse around it. Well, to make a long story short, after seven months, my, my bone didn't fuse. And so I had to go back in and they had to take the original stem out. It was so loose, I actually just pulled it right out. And then they put a new stem in there. And you know what they did? They used three-minute epoxy. Obviously, it's a medicinal form of, of epoxy, but it's a three-minute epoxy. And that's Not even medicinal. Oh, is that right? <laughs> no, it just has to be made in, in a sterile factory, sterile setting under certain conditions. Uh, yeah. Whereas regular super glue uh, can be made, you know, out in the backyard. This has to be made in, in a in a somewhat yeah. controlled situation. But it's exact. It, they're they're all the same glues. In yeah. fact, prior we have we have super glue in our office, and you know we just use that on cuts. So if we have like a, a I had a one Canadian guy, and he said, "I'm going on a cruise. When can I get the sutures?" I said, eh, don't worry about it. So I put a few sutures in and I super glued the rest of it. He said, that's it. I said, that's it. <laughs> when you get back, come to the office and we'll take the sutures out. Yeah. So and, bottom line is I'm my right hip is held together by three-minute epoxy and it's solid as a rock, thank goodness. Now you can get back to your story. Which one? I forget what we were. <laughs> <laughs> you were explaining to me or trying to explain to me why the U.S. can't come up with a system better than it has now. Because we already have the best system in the world and the Democrats are just coming in and ruining it. That's why. we People think we have a terrible system. That's just not true. I was talking to a young woman at, at the bar last night at the hotel I was that went down for a beer. Great story. The alarm, the fire alarm went off in all the rooms and all the floors. And so all of a sudden, everybody's piling out. We're all out in the, in the parking lot and freezing our butts off and uh, wondering, where's the fire? And so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to the bar. So I went to the <laughs> bar <laughs> and I see one of the kitchen people coming out, followed by three or four firemen. I said, what happened? Somebody burnt the chocolate souffle. Oh, my uh. God, don't burn the chocolate souffle, whatever you do. And that set off the alarm in the whole building, which is 17 stories. And I tell you <laughs> what, I'm not going back up 16 stories. I, I'll walk down, but I'm not walking back up. You know, they turn off the elevators in the fire. Exactly. Fire and so uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm talking to her. And she said, oh, your system is so terrible. Of course, all she hears is CNN and CBC and, and all these left-wing lunacy stations. And she thinks that there are kids dying in the street. And she says, my baby, I was able to get her health care and she needed heart surgery or a pacemaker. 
I said, we do all that. I mean, 99% of the kids are covered in the United States, which is probably better than what's in Canada, by the way. We have the Medicaid for the kids, and uh, indigent families can get on Medicaid. Uh, You can find help. And as well, we have a a huge charitable system, and I know that the Canadians are not as – Religious, shall I say, as the Americans are still. And uh, but if you have cancer, have a kid with cancer, St. Jude's will take you for free. They don't charge you anything. If you have uh, cerebral palsy or some musculoskeletal problem or uh, you have uh, dwarfism or whatever, you can go to the Shriners and they'll take care of you for free. There's tons and tons of opportunity. And, you know, if you're sick and you go to the emergency room, you're going to get admitted. If you need admission, you're going to get admitted and we take care of you. And whether we get paid or not, we take care of you. And a lot of times, I would say most doctors don't even know. We don't know if you have insurance or not. Uh, If you come to the office, that's a different story because you have to sign into our system. But for hospital critical care, we take care of you just like we would take care of anybody else. doesn't matter if you're a drunken bum off the street. It doesn't matter if you're a world-famous newsman like Pryor Smith. We'll take care of you. And, uh, you know, we'll worry about the bill later. Now, if you don't have any money, well, as one attorney told me, Doc, you can't squeeze blood from a stone. So, you know, if you ain't got the money, you ain't going to pay. And I got a great story for you, Pryor. One of my buddies, he's a doctor, decided that he didn't need insurance because he was young and healthy. Ended up with a kidney stone. This was about 15, 20 years ago. So he's in the emergency room, and I see him, and the urologist sees him, and he finally is released from the hospital and he goes home and passes a stone and everything's okay. And he doesn't have any insurance. So they call him up and he says, I'm not going to pay that. That's too much. He's arguing with the hospital. Then with the hospital's uh, parent company, then he got turned over to collections. Uh He said, well, guess what he did? They called him and they said, we want the money. He says, I'll give you 50 cents on the dollar right now. Take it or leave it. They said, we'll take it. They took it. <laughs> they took it. <laughs> so that's another trick you can use. You know, you if you get stuck with a big bill, whether you're American or Canadian, and they call you up and they want the full 10 times Medicare rate, say, look, I'll pay you Medicare rates because that's all I can afford. That's it. Otherwise, you're going to have a long, drawn-out battle to get out of me what I don't have. And, you know, most of the collection agencies and hospital organizations are going to say, hey, you know, a bird in the hand yeah. and they'll take it. So you have so the ba- power. So to basically negotiate. what there's basically what they're saying is we'd rather have 10 percent of something than 100 percent of nothing. Got it. And I think that another big difference I see between the United States and a lot of people in the world is that we have the ability to negotiate. We have the ability to boycott. We have the ability to buy what we want or not buy what we want. And I think that that's an important uh, uh, asset to utilize and to maintain. And and people don't know that they can negotiate. But I'm telling you, everybody, Canadians, Americans, anybody who comes to the United States or lives in the United States, you have the power to negotiate your bill. It doesn't matter who it's with or what it's with. And it doesn't matter what you signed beforehand because, you know, all the hospitals everywhere. And it's not just in the United States. I had a patient who was up here in uh, Alaska, and the closest place for a crisis was to be airlifted into one of the Canadian hospitals up in the Yukon somewhere, British Columbia, emergency surgery. She's sick as a dog. On the third day, the doctor says, well, you know, you got to leave. She said, what do you mean? I I, I don't have – I came off a cruise ship. I don't have clothes. I don't have money. I don't have anybody to take care of me. And I'm not I'm not ready for discharge yet. He said, no, you got to go. 
This is the Canadian system. So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. The hospitals are all, they're all trying to make a living and stay afloat and put a little money back into whoever their agency or their sponsors are, whether it's uh, stockholders or uh, the county trust or whatever. And with that, Pryor, I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe. I'm with Pryor Smith this morning. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and we're right on it, baby. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Defense Secretary Mark Esper in Afghanistan at this hour, outlining what comes next for American soldiers set to leave Syria. He says that under current plans, they will go to western Iraq and that the American military will continue to conduct operation against ISIS to prevent it from making a comeback. Esper is not ruling out the idea that U.S. forces might conduct counterterrorism missions from Iraq into Syria. He says he's spoken to his Iraqi counterpart about the plan to shift more than 700 soldiers. President Trump has backed off his plan to use his Doral, Florida golf resort and to host the next G7 summit of world leaders. Mr. Trump is facing accusations uh, that it was the wrong thing to do. He tweeted that the plan is off and his administration will begin the search for another site. Camp David is one possibility. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. It'll be humid today with a mix of sun and clouds, the high 86. Clear to partly cloudy skies tonight with a low of 73. We'll have a blend of sunshine and clouds tomorrow with a shower or thunderstorm in the area. Tomorrow's high 86. Patchy clouds tomorrow night. It'll be humid with a shower, the low 78. Tuesday, partial sunshine with a high of 87. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Drew Shannon for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. We're having a great show up here in the frozen tundra, talking with Pryor Smith, who kicks off his 170,000th season. Of, no, <laughs> no only, only 66. Oh, 66. He started this when he was an infant yeah. and has been broadcasting since, what, the age of seven? Uh, I did my first broadcast at the age of two and a half. Two and a half. There you yeah. go. I was a radio, I was a radio prodigy. There you go. Prior and, and, and by the way, I, I must tell the I must tell the listening audience throughout Central Florida and up and down the Gulf Coast, 
that the good doctor is misleading you. This is not the frozen tundra. I want to straighten things out right here and now. On this Sunday morning, it is absolutely stunning here. We're out looking at Clear Lake, Stony Lake, about a hundred and about 110 miles northeast of Toronto. It is absolutely spectacular. The leaves are changing color. There it isn't is. so much. There isn't so much as a ripple on the lake. So the next time the good doctor talks about the frozen tundra, somebody's got to straighten them around. Uh, you got it. Now, okay. Now let me let's back up though. Two days ago, tell us how the weather was. What was the wind speed? And what well, it was wasn't, the temperature and the chill factor. Well, it wasn't very pleasant. Let's put it that way. And, <laughs> And I must tell you that as of November 4th, when Canada Calling goes back on the radio all over Florida, there is a reason why Canada Calling is airing all over Florida throughout the winter for its 66th season. It's because everybody who lives here doesn't want to be here. They want to be somewhere else. Yeah, they leave the frozen tundra. Actually, it is quite beautiful up here. And I've traveled across Canada from uh, Nova Scotia all the way out to British Columbia. I even lived in Victoria for a few months. And it is just a spectacular country. There's just so much beauty here. I mean, it's basically the same as the United States, but still just the uh, the wide open spaces and the small population. There's and there's so many outdoor activities. I mean, it's. Uh, it's just a, a sportsman's wonderland, as well as you have Toronto, which is what the fourth or fifth largest city in North America now. And uh, you know, well, you've got... they, they, they say that we're arguably the third biggest after New York and Los Angeles. We're kind of running neck and neck with Houston now, apparently, for the third or fourth largest in all of North America. Most people have no concept of just just how big the Toronto region is. Oh, it's, it's just uh, it, it just is expanding. It's, it's it's unbelievable the amount of expansion that goes on. You never really leave population when you're driving to the U.S. border down in Buffalo or Niagara Falls. You never leave population. It's a no. it's roughly about seven and a half million people. Yeah, but you got to remember, prior that I'd say eighty to ninety percent of Canadians live within a hundred miles of the U.S. border. That's right. So, and uh, by the way, we you know we we keep disrespecting Mexico City. That is part of North America. Yep. And that that is hands down the largest city in North America. Oh, far and away. Yeah. And I would guess that there's probably one or two other cities in Mexico that are at least as big as uh, Houston and Toronto. So we have to we have to say within the United States and Canada, Toronto is probably number three. I, I was absolutely stunned when I first put Canada calling on the radio down in the border region of Texas around Brownsville, uh, Harlingen, McAllen. I was absolutely stunned the first time some people from McAllen said, well, let's go over to Reynosa. I had never heard of Reynosa. We get over to Reynosa, there's a million and a half people there. (laughs) A million and a half. And you go to Matamoros, which is directly across the the, uh, Rio Grande from uh, Brownsville, it's about two million. Yep. It, most people in the U.S. and Canada have never heard of these places. That's right. And, and, they're, and so they're you, big you, are, you are indeed straightening us around in that regard. But when, uh, like I say, when Canada Calling goes back on the air November 4th, there's a very good reason why the Canadians are heading south, because the winters up here are not exactly pleasant. But we endure it through until about the end of March, and then spring comes, and the leaves all pop out in buds, and oh, yeah, beautiful. things turn nice again. But as of today... It is absolutely stunning up here. Oh, it is. I drove up from Toronto. It was about an hour and a half drive uh, uh, northeast, right up the basically, I guess, up the St. Lawrence follows that path pretty much. Up Lake and Ontario. yeah, Lake Ontario. And then, yeah, Lake Ontario. And it's uh, it's just 
gorgeous. The leaves are turning. Uh, it's it's sunshiny. It's it's not warm, but it's it's pleasant. It's jacket or sweater weather, depending upon whether you're from Florida or Canada. And uh, the, the lake, as Pryor said, it's just it's a mirror. It's it's glassy, and uh, I can see the the multicolored pied trees that are reflecting off of the water. What a sight! What a sight! Well, the kind of weather we have here today is the reason why L.L. Bean invented flannel shirts. <laughs> and are you still going down there to shop every year prior? <laughs> are we giving a free plug to L.L. Bean now? Because I, I, I first stumbled into L.L. Bean back in the, uh, the mid-80s, and I had to go down to Long Island to get some equipment repaired for, for my studio. And we drove up to L.L. Bean for the first time, and I was blown away. And I've been addicted to L.L. Bean ever since. And as of about a month and a half ago, they opened their first store in Canada. Uh, It's located in Oakville, which is a a suburban region just west of Toronto. And their first store opened up there, like I say, about a month, maybe a month and a half ago. But they have spread into Canada because they had so much business up here. There's a lot of flannel shirts to be purchased, obviously. And uh, hopefully they do well up here. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they will because this is the right uh, environment for their their uh, products and their product line. Well, by the way, I, I, I promise you, when you drive through Vermont or Maine, which I have done many, many times, going down to Freeport down in Maine, it's just like driving through here. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of North America. The 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 geology and the landscape. It's it's the same whether in the United States or Canada. In fact, in some parts of of uh, the United States and Canada, like in Glacier National Park, we took a helicopter ride up one side of the uh, mountain chain and back down the other. You don't know whether you're in the United States or Canada. I yeah, mean, exactly. it's all the same. It's a, it's just it's a, it's a contiguous landmass. I got to throw out a, a little shout out for Long and McQuaid up here in Canada. I bought a little piece of equipment from them, a Behringer uh, audio interface, which is working great. I, I think it sounds good to me. Um, what do you think, Pryor? Well, we're on the air. There you go. <laughs> so I, I did my due diligence for uh, Long and McQuaid, which is a uh, audio store up here. They sell instruments and audio interfaces, all kinds of things. So now, prior, you know that I am developing an antifungal toenail gel. I don't know if I told you that. Yes, I, I heard all about it, but you can tell me more about it. We are in the process of submitting a study to the FDA. I called the FDA and they said, well, yeah, you're using two old time drugs and you're using the at over the counter uh, concentrations, but you're mixing them. So we'd like you to do a study before we say, OK, and give you the blessing. And and so we're going to do a study and I've got everything ready to go. Been talking with the FDA. I got to submit it once I get my electronic uh site set up with them, and uh, I'm just waiting for a secure socket layer certificate, which is just a, a, a it's an electronic certificate that makes sure that anything that's transmitted over the internet is encrypted so that nobody can steal your your personal information. Uh, you know, the, the privacy is a big issue in the United States and Canada and most of the world. Everybody wants their, you know, nobody wants to think that their hernia is like everybody else's hernia, but <laughs> it is, but that's okay. You know, if you, you don't want me to talk about your hernia, I won't do that. And, uh, but your hip's okay. Yep. We can talk, we can talk about your hip. All right. Okay. Well, see, it, it just depends on what, what you're concerned about. So at any rate, we're doing that, and that's going really well. And I'm really happy to tell everybody that uh, I'm still 
selling the gel in the office to my patients, and I'm also giving it away to people, gave some away up here. I'm not allowed to sell it outside of the office. So, uh, But if you have an interest, you can call us at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. You can get in the study. I'll give you free gel. We're going to have a party every three months or so for people that are participating. And don't forget that the office is set up for x-ray, we do lab draws. We can check your clotting times if you're on Coumadin or Warfarin. Uh, we check your analysis. We do pregnancy tests, strep screens, uh, flu screens. We give flu shots. We have an in-office pharmacy for the Canadians. Common things, nothing complex. Uh, we also have intravenous therapy. We have ultrasound. We have echocardiograms. We can ultrasound your arteries and your veins. We can ultrasound your belly, your kidneys, your gallbladder. We have such a plethora of resources in the office that you really won't need to go anywhere else. And I also do a lot of uh, dermatologic excisions and procedures. And you wouldn't believe the number of Canadians that come down prior with skin cancers and say, what is this? I'm like, that's a, that's a squamous cell skin cancer, dude. You need that off. Well, my doctor said it just was nothing and just put this ointment on it. No. Part of the problem, too, is that you don't have as much sunshine up here, so the, the dermatologists and the family practitioners, they don't see as much skin cancer, so they don't always recognize it. But we do everything. We incise uh, abscesses. We sew up lacerations. I even had a guy come in with a stingray barb in his foot, and I took that out one time. So we offer a whole plethora, you know, whole the whole gamut of health care. Uh, now, wait a second. Major now, how long have you been waiting to use the word plethora? For at least uh, a plethora of years. <laughs> <laughs> so, prior now, tell me this. Uh, what's your prediction? Do you, hey, I see you have a Sikh. Uh, those who don't know what a Sikh is, the Sikhs are an offshoot of Hinduism, and they are sort of like the Protestant Reformation in Hinduism. They adopted monotheism and uh, a number of other tenets. Uh, they're universal in their their beliefs, and they're very kind, accepting people. They believe in charitable works. Uh, you know, they're they're a lot like uh, uh, they're they're a lot like active Buddhist, I would say, uh, but they don't they don't meditate. They do pray, and they have the big turbans on their heads, so a lot of people think that they're Muslims, and they're not. They're Sikhs. Yep. Uh, and you got a Sikh running. I mean, he sounds like an, a really intelligent, well-spoken guy. Obviously, he's a Canadian-born guy. Yep. Uh, his, name is ja his name is Jagmik Singh, and he is the head of the, I guess we call it the third party in Canada, which is called the New Democratic Party. It is the leftist party, the socialist-type party, if you will. And Jagmik Singh represented uh, an area just uh, to the northwest of Toronto around Brampton, which has got a very heavy um, East Asian population. He represented them in the provincial legislature in Ontario for a number of years. Then he wound up being selected as the leader of the New Democratic Party. And he has been running – this is his first federal election campaign uh, as the leader of the New Democratic Party. And un unfortunately, the seat – area that he was representing provincially was occupied, so he has had to seek a seat in another uh, heavily populated East Asian area of uh, Vancouver. And so he's running for a riding in Vancouver. He's running as a leader of the New Democratic Party, 
And he has run a splendid campaign over the last, uh, what is it, about five, six weeks now. He is running for the leadership of the uh, of the country for the prime minister's job. Now, he won't win, but he just might, as of late tomorrow night, hold what's called the balance of power in the uh, Parliament of Canada in Ottawa. And that results from the two main parties, the federal liberals and the federal conservatives, not winning enough seats to win a majority. So they would have to do a sweetheart deal and start dancing with Mr. Singh and try and romance him to support their party. And so one way or another, he may wind up in his first go on the national scene. He might wind up with a balance of power late tomorrow night. So he'll be a big playmaker. He'll be he could a big be. man. Yeah, he, very. He could be. Interesting. And uh, he's garnered a lot of uh, enthusiasm and a lot of press and uh, yeah, but uh, nice, so, you know, nice looking kid. Yeah, but it's so easy when you're the third party of Canada to promise the moon, like free dental care, free this, free that. Oh, well, sooner right. or later, as Margaret Thatcher says, the problem with socialism is you run out of other people's money to spend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like Bernie Sanders and went in, went in the bar and said, free drinks. And the bartender says, who's paying? He says, the guy that's sitting next to me is paying. Yeah. Well, it's so easy for a Jagmik singer, the leader of any third party anywhere, to be promising the moon. And that's what he's been doing for the last five or six weeks. But he's he's run a splendid campaign. Everybody figured he was dead in the water uh, as of about six weeks ago. He was... He was having trouble attracting flies. But over the past six weeks, he's done a splendid job on the campaign, dashing from coast to coast. And so we'll – all we can see do is wait happens. and see. But yep. tomorrow night, he could be wind up holding the balance of power. Should be interesting. Should be yeah. interesting. And we're seeing a lot of political activity. The Democrats are debating. And like you say, you know, you can always promise the moon and the sun and the stars. But in the United States especially, if you say – you know, I'm going to immediately bring in free health care and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Well, it, you're not a king. You're not a dictator. You're not a queen. So you can say you're going to do that. But, hey, all these things have to go through Congress. Then there's yep. a then there's a judiciary that says, well, we're happy to hear cases as to whether or not this is constitutional. And then that has to ground through the judiciary. And if it's a big deal and the Supreme Court wants to make some hay, they'll uh, they'll hear the case. So, you know, these things, I mean, it's like Trump saying he was going to build a concrete wall across the border between the United States and Mexico. And I'm telling people on the radio, you know, he's not going to build a concrete wall. First of all, it would be cost prohibitive and he's not going to get Congress to fund that. Secondly, the logistics of setting up a concrete plant, because it's that's a fairly, you know, that's I mean, it's not undoable, but you're going to have to set one up like every 20 or 30 miles. Otherwise, the trucks are not going to want to haul that. Bar. <laughs> it, the know. whole thing was stupid from the beginning. Yeah, but I mean, you can build a you can build a border wall, but it's not going to be poured concrete and it's not going to be a solid wall all the way. There are going to be areas where there are no people and there are going to be barriers and uh, electronic devices and all that. So, you, and, you know, he also said, I want to get rid of uh, anchor babies, babies who are born of parents who are not uh, yeah. American citizens, but show up in the United States to have the baby. Well, you know what? Uh, unless that baby is the child of a diplomat or somebody who is there as a foreign alien legally, it ain't going to work. Uh, because if they're born in the United States, even if their parents are not legal, if their parents have no affiliation with the government, 
hey, they're Americans. That's, That's just right. the way it is. And, you know, yeah. and, and I said that he's not that you have to change the Constitution. He's not going to do that. He's just playing to the base. And and that's not to say I don't like Trump and what he's done. It's just to say that all politicians are going to promise you things that they cannot deliver in order to get elected. And, well, uh, our, our friend, our it's friend, like a marriage. Yeah, our friend Mr. Trudeau has been doing that continually to the point where people are saying, "Okay, enough. You've run up massive, massive deficits. You promised to balance the budget by this year. Four years ago, that's what you promised, and you you only missed by seventeen billion dollars this year." And so people are beginning to take all this with a grain of salt. And so, like I say, Mr. Singh has been running around promising all kinds of wonderful things, but sooner or later you got to pay for it. And can I ask you just one question, getting back onto the onto the uh, medical side of things? Sure. You mentioned flu shots. I know you do flu shots at your clinic, at the CanCare Clinic in yes. St. Pete. What's the story this year? The story this year is that I don't think it's going to be as uh, bad uh, a flu season as it was a couple of years ago when we had 50 or 60,000 deaths in the United States from the flu. But I, I tell you this, prior people say, oh, I'm so worried about these mass shootings at the Walmart. I said, you want to stay safe at the Walmart? And they said, yeah, what should I do? Get your flu shot. <laughs> you know, you, you have about a 10,000 time higher risk of catching the flu and dying from going to the Walmart if you didn't get your flu shot than you do being shot by some kid uh, out in the parking lot with an AK-47. So the, the important thing here is to get your shot. And there are a few know people what? here in the, who will not do it. And you can get it anywhere. You can get it at Walmart. You can get it at the health department. And uh, but do you know, we know what we're but do we know what we're immunizing against? Yeah, there's three strains, uh, or actually there's four strains, and but one strain people our age have already seen several times, so we are only getting the trivalent vaccination. And what happens with the flu is that it's a very polymorphous little virus, and it tends to genetically change itself every year or two. So we have all these new strains that keep popping up, and so the CDC and the World Health Organization and the Canadian uh, Health center and all that they get together and they say well what do you think they're going to be this year and they use statistics and projections and genetics and they try to figure out what the strain will be or strains will be most commonly this this coming year and then they make the vaccine back in the spring and they start spreading it disseminating it uh, throughout the late summer and fall and uh, so that's that's how we we handled the immunization for the flu vaccine because that because that will be coming up in what another what, month and a half or so? Well, we were already seeing flu. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I've had Canadians and Americans with flu. Yep. So get your shot right now. Yeah, because the, the, the big wave is usually around, what, the beginning of January into mid-January sometime? Uh, it's variable, but uh, yeah, that, that you know, the height of the season is when people are cold and they're indoors more uh, and coughing on each other. Thank God for that. And thank God for cold weather so I can stay in business. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's that's when it, it circulates around uh, more frequently. So make sure you get your flu shot. Get it before you come down. Or if you're in Florida and you don't want to go to your doctor, go to the Walmart. You can get it for free and they'll give you a $10 gift card as well. So you can't beat that, can you? Can't beat that. Well, it's getting close to the end of the show, Prior. How much time we got left, guys? One minute. Oh my God, Prior, they're cutting this off, baby. They're cutting us off, and we were well, just we've getting been, warmed up. We, we've been coming coming to you live and direct from just north of Lakefield, Ontario, on the shore of beautiful, clear and stony lake. Gorgeous. And as mentioned, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it, this is a time of the year to be here, but 
give it another few weeks, and a lot of us here will be where you are down south. And Pryor's lovely wife has promised me lunch. I don't know if that's here or if they're taking me out, uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I appreciate their hospitality. Pryor, you've been a wonderful guest, and I hope you have another great season. Uh, I think that your show is, is a godsend for the Canadians. So many people listen to you and love it. Too bad you don't do it in French, too. Well, I, I could tell you a little story about that, but just doing it in English is tough enough. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's not easy. And, and even for me doing my show in English, I, you know, sometimes <laughs> I get a little confused <laughs> and run out of breath as well. So we've been coming to you from the world headquarters of Canada Calling, uh, just northeast of Toronto, and we would like to thank you for tuning in over the past 66 years, and we're looking forward to another winter season, sharing the airwaves with Dr. Bill. And I am out of here. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Radio MD.